This message comes to you from New Life Derby. Lord, I thank you for your word today that you want to speak to us, Lord. I thank you for the preparation that has gone into this, Lord. I pray that as Bill brings your word, that you speak to our hearts. Prepare our hearts to receive from you, O oh God. And be glorified and lifted up, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. I don't know if you've got your summer holidays already uh, organised or not, because January typically is the day, is the month when people start to think of their summer holidays. You get all the glossy uh, brochures that come through the letterbox, and we begin to find out where we might like to jet off to, to some sunny place. Lovely photographs of great, you know, sandy beaches and and uh, uh, lovely blue water, etc., etc. But I wonder, do you ever think when you read these uh, wonderful brochures about the journey that you need to take in order to get to these wonderful far out places? Maybe you need to take a, an aeroplane from some, some say Gatwick, you know, you've got to get down to Gatwick first and then you're going to have to jet off to somewhere else, get another plane to somewhere else maybe and then there's a, an overnight stop somewhere and, and maybe there's a railway journey and all the rest of it, etc, 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 until finally you get to your destination. And we think about this as being the boring bit, don't we? The journey is the boring bit. And we're going to look today at the end of the wilderness journey that Israel took during those 40 years. We're going to start by looking at Joshua chapter 3. So you have a look for that, and I'll just do some, uh, some further comments. If we can have the first slide up, that would be fantastic, please. There it is. And this is an amazing thing, that God is in to remembering journeys. Well, that's an amazing comment. Listen to here. It says, at the Lord's command, not his request, not his suggestion, Moses recorded all the stages of the journey that Israel took in going through the wilderness. And you might think, well, why would he want to do that? Why would God, of all people, want to record that journey? Because, let's face it, it was due to sin that people were wandering through the, the, the desert. Surely, everybody would want to forget about that journey. So what was the purpose of recording this journey as it says in Numbers 33? Well, Deuteronomy 8 says, Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart. That's why. That's why we had all of those... Um, uh, place names, awkward and funny place names in Numbers 33. Well, let's move forward from that journey. And we're going to move forward in time 650 years. And if we can have the second slide up, thank you. This is where the sermon, my sermon text is from today. Remember your journey from Shittim to Gilgal that you may know the righteous acts of the Lord. Okay, so let's talk about that for a second. 650 years since the time when the, the people, the children of Israel, went through the wilderness, Israel again turned their backs on God. And what did he do? God reminds them 
that, that journey, that part of the journey, well, you might say, well, where is Shittim? Where is Gilgal? And the answer is that Shittim uh, is about 20 miles from the River Jordan, about 20 miles. And Gilgal is about another eight miles beyond the River Jordan. So it was quite a fair journey, maybe up to about 30 miles. But in between Shittim and Gilgal, there was the River Jordan. And God tells Israel from that verse in Micah to remember that journey. So we need to find out what it is about that journey that we need to recollect and reflect upon. Because it's going to be of use not only to Israel historically, but I hope to show you that it's also of use to us today. So, let's start with that. If you've got your Bible open or switched on, hopefully you've got it on at uh, Joshua chapter 3, and we're going to read the first few verses. Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests who are Levites carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. Tell the priests, this is uh, dropping down to uh, uh, verse 8, tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. And from verse 17, then the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. So Israel stayed on that bank of the river for three days. Did you see that? before they crossed over. You can have the next slide, please. This might bring back some memories for you. School crossing patrols. And as children, maybe, we were confident in crossing the road where we saw the, 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 lo the lollipop lady. And why would that be? Because we found security and we were uh, had faith in her ability to stop the traffic because she had the sign. She had the wherewithal. She had the authority in order to cross over. And it's the same way for the people of Israel. The, the, the authority that was given to the people of Israel was the Ark of the Covenant. It stood as a sign. And they were able to all cross over at the right point. And likewise, when we're faced by difficult circumstances, like a, a River Jordan that goes right through our situations because we haven't been this way before and we feel in, inadequate and intimidated by the, all the issues of life, we should search for Jesus because God's word says that if we seek him with all of our hearts, he will be found. And so the first point that I want to make is that, um, it, it, is that direction comes at his timing. They stayed three days on that bank of the river. Now, you might think, well, so what? They stayed three days. But remember, they were in Abel Shittim. That was in Moab country. And Moabites were, of course, the enemies of the Israelites. So at any time, they could be polished off. And yet they stayed and waited by that bank. 
And we need to do the same. When we're in a situation where we don't know what to turn to, how to, where to turn to, um, maybe we feel, as I say, we haven't been this way before. I don't know what to do. Where do I go? Well, the first place we need to go is, of course, God's Word. We wait for Him. God's Word says, in repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. The Lord longs to be gracious to you. He rises to show you compassion and blessed are all who wait for him. Do we like waiting? In today's society, do we enjoy waiting around? I think, Henry, you, you enjoyed a bit of waiting recently at an airport oh, for another day. Can you imagine a day just waiting in an airport, maybe in a hotel room, but still. It's, and we don't like it because we like kicking our heels. We want to get on and do something. And that's the danger. Because when we feel like that, we can easily do something that is rash and foolish. Just like if these children decided that they didn't want to cross over by, uh, the, the, um, uh, with the lollipop lady, uh, I'll find my own place to cross over. Yeah, you might be successful, it might be safe, but might not. So we need to be careful. We need to know and follow him because uh, he is gracious he will be when it, with you when you cry for help. And as soon as he hears, God's word says, he will answer you. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, when, that's it. This way, walk in it. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. We've got to have the lamp out. <laughs> you can't go very far uh, if you have if you need if you want to see where you're going and you've got you haven't got your lamp with you well and it's it's tucked away in a handbag or in a in, in some sort of hold all well that would be pretty useless we've got to have the word of god before us so for many of us the problem is waiting patiently for his timing and but he will do what we ask of him but we need to wait so that's an important word for Israel and for us. Let's go on to the next point. Uh, the next picture, please. Yeah, the community who builds. Chapter 4, Joshua 4, a couple of verses from there. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the, the Lord said to Joshua, choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priest stood and carrying, carry them over to where, um, with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. These stones are to be a memorial for the people of Israel forever. Interesting, it took 12 men. Now, I realize that's one from each tribe, but it was a community of people who built. It took 12 men. And, you know, it, we've already said, isn't it, <laughs> and we've had all these t-shirts life is better together and it's certainly true when we build together we can make memorials to God's glory and goodness we know we do that in Alpha and Jake's and and Thousand Smiles and the Night Shelter and the Cool Kids and the Saturday Outreach we're building together to see something that will be retained for many many years to make inroads into people's lives but notice, I told you that Gilgal was about eight miles from the River Jordan. So imagine taking eight rocks, I sorry, 12 rocks from the River Jordan, one for each tribe. 
Imagine taking them, probably putting them on a cart, but nonetheless being responsible to move that journey, take that journey of eight miles of, of, of rocks before they could set up their memorial in Gilgal. It takes effort. It takes effort in order to make a building work like us here in church. It just doesn't just happen on a Sunday. There's a team of people. There's a team of, of worship uh, group. There's a team who preach. There's a team who minister. There's a prayer team. You, you know, there's so many teams. But it all happens together when we uh, work together for his glory. In Proverbs, it says this, By wisdom a house is built, and through understanding it is established. Through knowledge its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. We are those rare and beautiful treasures. The people on the street are the rare and beautiful treasures. They're just in the darkness, that's all. As soon as we dig down and we can get into their lives, the, the light touches those jewels and they become amazing in God's glory. So we need to work together to build together. So to remember a community who build. And let's go on to verse 9. Now this is quite a curious um, verse and it, it doesn't quite give you the, the right perspective in the NIV. So I'm going to read this from uh, Joshua 4 verse 9 from the ESV and it says this. And Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan in the place where the feet of the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant had stood and they are there today, to this day. Well, that's curious. Why would Joshua build a second pile of stones in the middle of the Jordan when he's already got one pile down in Gilgal? And moreover, not only was it a second pile of stones, as soon as the river was back in flood, the whole pile would be disappear under the waters. How odd. Why would he do that? Why would anyone want to do that? Can we have the next slide? And here's the reason. This picture is an old picture of uh, what was called Derwent Village, and it's in the middle of Lady Bower Reservoir. And in the early days, the church there was left. It's, it's since been destroyed, but it was, there, it was left. But when, the, when there was a drought in the Lady Bower area, all of the stones would be revealed. You might have heard this recently in the last couple of years. The old artifacts from Derwent Village are exposed when there's a drought. And so these stones are were, uh, being revealed uh, uh, at that time. And in the same way, when the Jordan was not in flood, that pile of stones would be revealed, particularly when there was a drought situation, as I say. You know, there, within many of us, there are situations and experiences that, that we have been through that can aid others when the situation is right. God's word says that you also are living stones. We are living stones, okay? Those are living stones because people were attracted to the stones and, and the village of Derwent. People came along to see what, what the place was like um, at that time and to get back into the history, etc. But we are living stones that we may declare the praises of him who called us 
out of darkness. Because we've been through dark times. We've been through dark situations. Maybe we've been uh, a, a, a snare to pornography. Maybe um, we, we, we've had an abortion. Maybe um, we, we've had relationship issues uh, and tensions, financial difficulties, whatever they are. Those situations that we've been through can be used by the grace of God to communicate truth to someone else who is going through those situations. So, just like Lady Bower, when the conditions present themselves, there is a hidden story to tell. God uses all of our stories um, and experiences to benefit others. In 2 Corinthians, it says, the God of all comfort comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. We comfort others with what we've been through. Amazing. Life is better together again. Our testimonies are a powerful weapon against the evil one. We, we've seen that a few weeks ago when Henry brought that message about they triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and by their word of testimony. So whenever we speak our testimonies of God's faithfulness in us, we're fighting negativity. We're stirring up faith in each other. And we're building, we're building things again. In a safe, like in a safe environment of, of life, life cells. You know, pick up your brochure before you go. Find out about life cells. It's a safe place. And where people share experiences about how God uh, has been so good to us. So remember your journey. Living stones that still speak. We're all living stones who still speak. The next point. Well, in Joshua 5... In verses 2 to 10, I won't read them, but after they'd crossed the, the uh, Jordan, all Israel's males were circumcised, and then they celebrated the Passover. Now, both of those acts were covenantal, and they both required the shedding of blood. Now, we don't celebrate those particular um, things today, because we have a new covenant our covenant is a better covenant or agreement, which is what Hebrews says. And um, we had that this morning. It was the Holy Communion. This is my body, which was broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me, etc. But I want you to concentrate on that last bit. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the death, the Lord's death, until he comes. Well, what does that mean? What does it mean to proclaim his death? Does it mean we go around and saying, oh, Jesus has died. I'm just going to tell you, it's been an, it was an awful thing. Awful thing that he went through. Jesus has died. No, that's not what it means. It means that we are able to proclaim not just his death, but his resurrection because he didn't stay dead. We proclaim his death here to the heavenly powers. He has risen. He, he wasn't able, death wasn't able to keep him dead. Hallelujah. And we should be celebrating and proclaiming the amazing, of Jesus' amazing death to others because he didn't stay dead. Up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph over his foes. 
He arose a victor from the dark domain, and he lives forever with his saints to reign. He arose, he arose, hallelujah, Christ arose. Some of you might know that old uh, hymn. The final point I want to make is about uh, the last thing that happened on that journey. The journey didn't end there. They celebrated uh, um, the Passover, there was the circumcision, but the last thing is Joshua 5, verses 11 and 12. The manna stopped after they ate the food from the, from the land. There was no longer any manna for the Israelites, but that year they ate of the produce of Canaan. Can we have the next slide? The next one after that. Thank you. I mean, imagine. Imagine there you are. You've, you've grown up in the desert. Remember, all the old people died in the, in the desert. Anyone um, younger than 20, uh, uh, older than 21, all died in the, uh, in the desert. Maybe you were born in the desert. You've wandered through the desert for many, many years. You come to the promised land. All you've known about is water and manna to keep you alive. Okay? You might have seen some traveling um, uh, uh, people through the desert, maybe. Uh, there may have been some trade, but there certainly would have been very little choice in the food that they ate when they crossed the desert. But now... Now they've come to the promised land and food is available. They've never seen some of these things before. Imagine, like this picture of a bunch of grapes. Maybe they've never seen a bunch of grapes. But do you know, when they came to the promised land, the manna stopped. And they were forced to make their own food. Well, that sounds reasonable. Why would God want to continue feeding them uh, when there was perfectly good food available to them in the new place. Sounds reasonable to me. Maybe when you come here Sunday by Sunday, you take the word of God away with you. You think, wow, this is fantastic. I hope, hope that's what you think. And it's like manna, manna to my body. Wow, this is good stuff. Well, that's great. Praise God. But what do we do on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday? There's no manna falling. What do we do then? Do we starve? Well, no, of course not. Because otherwise, if we didn't eat until we came back next Sunday, we would be ill and emaciated and sickly. We have to read God's word. We have to take out of God's word what he wants us to learn every week. God humbled you, he tells Israel, feeding you with manna which neither you nor your ancestors had known to teach you that man does not live on bread alone but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. God provides Sunday by Sunday. That's why we promote the Bible reading initiatives. End from beginning, six months through the New Testament. And, and this morning, 66 verses, my word. It's golly good, it wasn't the previous chapter, by the way. There were 75 verses in that. So anyway, um, we read God's word. And that's what we should be doing every day. Not just reading it, but finding out what it means to us today. So that it does something within us. Provision of spiritual food. Let me come back to my first verse. Micah 6, verse 5. Remember your journey from Shittim to Gilgal. Well, I've pointed out some things from this 
this, this uh, journey that they had 650 years after Israel's journey and reminded us of a few things. But now, let's go forward to today. Remember your journey, your specific journey, like mine. I have to remember mine. We can learn from Bible stories, yes, but we can learn from our story. I wonder how many of us have ever tried New Year's resolutions? Anybody? No. Probably, oh, you did. You did, Henry. I saw that hand. <laughs> yeah, well, sad to say that only, the statistics say, that only one in 50 people ever are able to establish a, a continuous regime through the new life, res, uh, new, I'm going to say new life, <laughs> through, through the new year resolutions. And why is it that 98% fail? Well, unless we reflect on where we've come from and allow God to shape us and to refine us and heal us, we won't succeed in our resolutions because overeating, fear, and anger, and lust, and greed, etc., etc., you can't change those by simply by willpower. We have a choice. Final slide. Instead, we need to reflect upon and consider our journeys to how we got to where we are today. So if we want to be free of the life-controlling habits, and, and, and we need to remember our journeys. Some of the most journeys are, pa are painful. Some of the, I'll tell you, I'm going to tell you a story. Some weeks ago, I came back from uh, the town centre, and I sat on the bus, the bus was at the terminus, and we were waiting, and I was waiting, ready to go home, get myself a cup of coffee, when suddenly, a man sat next to me, thud, it was a heavy thud, and it bounced me in my chair, and I looked to him, and I didn't have any malice in my eyes, or I'm sure, but anyway, he looked at me, and he said, I'm really sorry. He said, do you know, I have a problem with falling over. I said, oh, really? I'm, I'm very sorry to hear that. Yeah, he said, I have to have minders. And he pointed to a couple of men uh, behind him. And, uh, and I said, oh, I'm very sorry to hear that. Yeah, I've been, I've been like this. It's, it's terrible. And then he said, what do you think about that? Oh, I thought, well, that's an interesting question. So I said, well, I, I know that there is a, a God in heaven who loves you and me, and he is able to heal uh, any diseases, etc. I said, what do you think about that? <laughs> and and uh, he said, oh, I'm not into religion. I said, well, neither am I. I'm into Jesus. And he has the power to heal. And, and he, well, we got talking, the bus started to go, and, he, and I, said, he said, I said to him, I just felt the prompting of the Holy Spirit, I said, have you always fallen over? Oh, well, most of my life. I said, well, when, when, did you, when did you first start falling over? Oh, I was about 12. I said, oh, that's interesting. So clearly it wasn't a, a physical thing, you know. And so I said to him, what else happened to you when you were about 11 or 12? And a man looked at me and he said, well, my mother left me. I was all alone. And I said, don't you think that there is a connection between you falling over and being unstable and your mother leaving. And he, he, he did not know what to say. He said, he, he, was, he was amazed. 
And he said, I, I, yeah, I, I don't, you know, I had never thought of that. And he lives in a home. I was able to go and give him a, a Bible, etc. And, and we talked on, etc. and further on. But my point is this. That man's outlook on his life changed because of a word spoken into his heart. Now, I don't know whether he's going to continue and think about that, uh, think that through any further or not. My point is that what experiences we go through in earlier life have an effect upon us in later life. Can I ask for the prayer team to come up, please? Uh, we sometimes, we are where we are because of wrong choices. Our wrong choices have got us to where we are. There, there's like a, a, a barrier, like a Jordan River that separates us from getting to the promised land. And God says, remember your journey. Remember your journey. Last week, um, uh, Rachel was telling us about remembering God. Do you remember that? And this week is about remembering our journey together. I'm going to pray. Let's pray together. Lord, in this moment, I pray that you will cause us to reflect on our journeys and to bring to mind those wrong choices and life-controlling habits that we've tried to forget or ignore, perhaps from over many, many years. I pray, Lord, that you will begin to reveal the roots of the, those issues and help us to begin to experience life in all its fullness, just like you promised, Lord. Lord, we want to be free of everything that weighs us down, of everything that stops us from having all the abundance, all the blessings that you have stored up for us. Lord, help us to remember our journeys. In your name, amen. You know, don't be weighed down by the issues of this um, of, of life by this year, this year. I started by talking about holidays. Wouldn't it be nice if we could have a holiday from all of those life-controlling things, all those antisocial activities and behaviors that we've been involved in? Wouldn't it be nice to have a holiday? We can be free. Or we can stand at the end of this year with perfect 2020 hindsight vision and be in exactly the same place we are today at the end of this year. Which do you want to choose? Do you want to choose a resolution? Try and resolve your issues, your personal issues. 98% will fail. Or do we want to choose a reflection to remember? If you are feeling as though you're weighed down by your issues of your life and you want to know freedom, come out to the front now and we will pray for you. God's word right at the end of this sermon is this. Do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world. In other words, like well-meaning resolutions. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind like reflections. Consider what the Holy Spirit is saying. To use, us, use uh, what he has said to you, to point him to you through that corrective action. If you need prayer about your journey, 
If your future seems like a, an impassable flood of issues, then come to the front. Please come to the front. Please find freedom. Please begin to experience what God can do for you. Amen? For more information, please visit newlifederby.org.uk.